Welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. At this point in the season, a lot of my research comes to the conclusions we've already reached, and the ones we've missed are now plainly obvious. The hits seem hardly worth noting because I'm not trying to make this podcast or any of my content a forum for self-congratulation, but I do want to notice the things we've missed, even if they are obvious now, because that's the good stuff that helps us be more accurate more often over time in the future. Workloads and roles have, by and large, settled in. We know about as much about what a team wants, quote-unquote, to do with their players as we can before it's too late. The rookies, of course, still have a significant window before week 9 and then again before week 12, when they are the single common group that can see drastic or just significant changes in their usage and performance. But we try and pair all of these observations up with ADP to form some actionable dynasty takeaways every week for teams in different situations, whether you're building or contending. But bear in mind, a lot of that comes down to your trade tactics and your league market. With that being said, let's get into it. Here's my walk through the deeper nooks and crannies of dynasty data, my main observations in the NFL through nine weeks of usage. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and learn some at once. In Arizona, Trey McBride may be in a dynasty window right now. Kyler Murray looks set to take back his job before the end of the season, and in fact this week he may start. Meanwhile, Clayton Toon took over the reins last week, in week 9, with awful results. Trey McBride, on the other hand, has finally established a multi-week span of significant route share, four games over 10% between weeks 6 and 9, and over 16% each of the last two weeks, ever since Zach Ertz left in week 8. There's a potential window in time where McBride could be tradable or acquirable in Dynasty before, before he has another significant game in points that you might want to investigate. In Atlanta, Kadaro Hodge led in routes while Drake London missed time, but it's not exactly as it seems. Hodge led with 17.8% of the team's routes last week, seemingly taking advantage of the loss of Drake London. However, the overall spread of the offense was broader without London, as Van Jefferson also took 17.2% of the team's routes, and no one stood out the way, the lo- the way London has with over 20% of the team's routes. Kyle Pitts has a typical 16% of routes that were mostly empty in terms of production, and Jonah Smith goes off for multifaceted aspects of the game because Arthur Smith. There's no clear winner because of Drake London's missed time, outside of, of course, Jono Smith, who continues to profit from being a decent receiver, playing a purely lower dot role with quarterbacks who prefer or benefit from passing the ball closer to the line of scrimmage. Smith looks almost unsuitable right now because of that role. In Baltimore, there's a Justin Hill backup play I want to mention to the Keontae Mitchell pickup off the waiver wire this week. Also, Rashad Bateman trends up once again, and Odo Beckham has his best game since 2021. Odo Beckham scored more PPR points than he has since the end of 2021 in Week 9. Last week, 14.6, earning 21.9% of the targets on 14.7% of the routes. In other words, he earned more routes than his route share justifies, or he earned targets efficiently on his level of routes. Rashad Bateman's target share bounced up after his route share started to elevate last week. However, he was still fourth on the team in route share, but he also earned targets efficiently, 15.6% of the targets on 13.5% of the routes. Obviously, Mark Andrews is still the lead receiver there. Meanwhile, the undrafted free agent, 
Keontae Mitchell showed up in spectacular fashion with 153 rushing yards on 9 attempts and 1 target. He didn't get a touch inside the red zone, however, and even though his explosive plays give him the potential to earn more opportunities moving forward, don't miss out or don't miss that Justin Hill played on more snaps at the position, or the most steps at the position, 63%, and I had the highest rushing share, 31.7% for the game, and the third highest route share on the team, 15.9%, as well as 20% of the team's touches inside the 20-yard line, and that was just last week. That was a total of three rushing attempts. Either way, there's a potential where Justice Hill and Keontae Mitchell are much more of a committee than you'd think, with Justin Hill having more upside on a week-to-week basis, or at least more floor on a week-to-week basis with his overall share of the offense and his inclination towards targets versus Mitchell. In Carolina, they play on Thursday, so I normally don't make many notes on Thursday games, but Miles Sanders' volume ticked up this week, hitting 21% of the team's rushing attempts and 14% of the team's targets. Finished with 9.1 PPR points as running back 28, which probably doesn't show up on many people's radars at the end. But at the very least, it's concerning for Chubba Hubbard's startability, and he could return to his top 24 levels of volume earlier in the season from weeks 1 to 3. In Chicago, they also play on Thursday, but Cole Commit paid off for us in week 9. But my main note this week is that Darnell Mooney might be the biggest argument against Justin Fields. He held over 20% of the team's routes since week 3, but has only just shown back up inside the top 24 when Taysom Bagnett gets the start. That's a little suspicious. In Cincinnati, hope you brought T. Higgins before last week. Jamar Chase looks to be injured again in week 10, but that's kind of besides the point. It was another good matchup last week, and this week looks to be more of the same. Higgins' role has come back in full force, and I expect more of his production moving forward. In Green Bay, Christian Watson, positive negativity. I don't have a lot to add to our Green Bay breakdown so far this season. The team looks like a mess, reliant on touchdowns to show up in fantasy. Aaron Jones joining the top 12 again this week was expected, as we mentioned, but it's also going to be tough to maintain that level of production regularly. He's an every week start, but we can't rely on the points to be that high as the team continues to split the work more heavily in different matchups. Romeo Dubs is the lead receiver, and despite Deontay, Dontavian Wick's four targets this week, tied for the team league with Luke Musgrave, he only ran 10.9% of the team's routes. Christian Watson, on the other hand, had his fourth straight week over 18% of the team's routes, level with Romeo Dubs this week. But, of course, that's in a role that's harder to pay off when you don't have the quarterback able to exploit it. In Houston, Tank Dell bounces back in week 9. As hoped, Devin Singletary takes a lead with Damian Pierce out. Singletary played on 75% of the team's snaps and had 67% of the team's rushing attempts, 13 in total. An average of target share of 5%, two whole targets. It's fine. He could be startable moving forward since the team keeps moving the ball well. And that's worth keeping in mind. Tank Dell bounced back from his the matchup after his bye week in spectacular fashion with 29.6 PPR points, bringing his points per game up to 14.3, or the wide receiver 20, making him one of the four very attractive dynasty assets at the position in this year's rookie class. Whose names you should know. In Indianapolis, Josh Downs is out, or maybe out? Most recent news says he could play this week. Losing good players hurts the other players on the team. But it's a good time to remember once again that Michael Pittman has led, has been the lead receiver for his team all season with the highest right share of anyone. 
There's also always a potential he could see more dominance in the red zone. Just Dance has about 9% of the touches in that area of the field, and if he is missing, that could mean Pittman has more touches there, but ultimately it probably balances out to Michael Pittman just being Michael Pittman. In Las Vegas, by Michael Mayer. Yeah. Said to have missed out on Sam Laporta in the rookie draft, disappointed you didn't trade for Dalton Kincaid before he started scoring points. Upset you dropped Trey McBride before week 8 of his, like, ninth season this year? Not to worry. Michael Myers is still around. Michael Mayer is still around. His rank percentage has been steadily increasing the last four weeks, and he ha- and he now has a very interesting share of the offense from a dynasty's perspective as a rookie tight end. 13 to- 13.2% of the routes this season, and 15.6% on average since week six. Just don't send a first-round pick, and it should be a good trade. In Minnesota, Joshua Dobbs, good enough. The main concern of losing Kirk Cousins from a fantasy perspective is volume. While the team still lead, still passed 36 times in Week 9, they also only passed on 52% of their attempts, the lowest passing rate for the season. This could be a result of Dubs having to cram learning a condensed version of the offense into a single week, but for now we should probably expect that that volume is unlikely to be maintained from earlier in the season. Having said that, Dobbs is certainly making a case for himself as a great replacement this season, and has done more than enough through their, though their pacer, their AR conversion ratio, was also their seasonal low last week for the team. Either way, he's probably done enough for us to hope the top end of the depth chart can still be good in Dynasty most weeks. The NFL outcome is significantly reduced, however, though I'm rooting for the little backup that could, and in fantasy, the points are very much still available. In New England, Ramondre Stevenson should keep it rolling in Week 10. Stevenson had 62% of the team's rushing attempts in Week 9, and 14% of the targets, 12% on the season. While New England can and will shift its player usage by matchup, Stevenson should keep it rolling this week against Indianapolis, as they rank 27th in overall adjusted fantasy points allowed against running backs, according to 444.com. His touchdown rate, Stevenson that is, is getting close to average, 200 yards per touchdown versus an average of 150. In other words, he's still scoring touchdowns a little inefficiently, so he could regress, but pretty much his volume should pay off by itself already. In New Orleans, the Saints have their best passing game of the season with Taysom Hill. In Week 9, the team converted 68% of their air yards into receiving yards, that's the Pacers stat again, while passing the ball 35 times in a win against Chicago. That's their highest pace of this season. Taysom Hill finishes the 7th scoring QB this week. This is all good for Chris Olave and Michael Thomas. Predicting Taysom Hill to keep being good feels questionable, based on one game especially, but it's not impossible either. On balance, it's also significant that Chicago has been an above-average matchup for both wide receivers and quarterbacks this year, ranking 27th against position in adjusted fantasy points allowed. In other words, it might have just been a good matchup for this one week. In Week 10, Hill, Alave, and Alvin Kamara are all ranked in the top 12 at their positions according to my projections, however. For the New York Giants, Daniel Jones left the game and likely the season with a torn ACL. Not the return anyone hoped for for Daniel Jones, especially not Daniel Jones himself. Right now, we're just left hoping Jones can get healthy. Wanda Robinson continues to be a slow burn, but managed to finish as wide receiver 18 in Week 9 on 5 targets for 35 yards and a late touchdown. 
He's a deeper value who we can hope gets some more consistent passing play to show his worth in Dynasty moving forward. In Pittsburgh, Najee Harris inspired to finish back in the top 12 by Deontay Johnson. I mean, that's probably not a legitimate connection to draw, but I like the sound of it. Despite having the lion's share of the rushing work and 25% of the team's touches inside the 20-yard line, because the team is unable to get inside the red yard inside the red zone very often, Najee Harris is still just a top 30 running back in overall volume with weighted opportunity. The team has only 31 touches inside the 20-yard line in 2023. That's ranked dead last among NFL teams. I don't know why I specify NFL teams since, you know, who else is counting red zone touches inside the 20-yard line, he said, editing. Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, and Najee Harris are all valuable players, but this offense is going to keep being terrible and hard to start on a week-to-week basis. So it's nice to see, but I don't think Najee Harris is now an easy start on in week 10 or moving forward unless you have to. He's a top 30 running back. For the Seahawks, be first, be fast, be right, but be careful too. Jackson Smith Jigba was a consensus top-ranked wide receiver in this year's rookie draft. We've been tracking his progress carefully and have seen hope. However, Dynasty is a simple game, and his 8 points per game is bad, and he should, should, be the 5th most valuable player at the position from this year's rookie draft right now. Don't get it twisted. This isn't saying anything about his potential as a player, but we should make excuses... We should make excuses for players carefully in Dynasty, and only rarely. I wouldn't trade him straight up for any of the top four players from the same draft class without something else in the trade right now. Value is value and points per game in a rookie season, eight points per game in a rookie season, is a consistently bad sign for a player's outlook. But there is 30% of players who break out after this point while having a terrible rookie season. But it is a lower odds bet at this point. Having said that, if he is valued that way, and he should be by August, to be honest, he might make an interesting target for competitive rosters. Week 10 brings a positive receiving matchup for the Seahawks, so whichever direction you want to move, if you want to move in a direction, be sure to take a likely good game out of some of the players this week into account. For Tampa Bay, three weeks in the top 12 for Rashad White, and his touchdowns are almost normalized. Rashad White's Touchdown rate is 213 yards per touchdown versus the average of 150, which is getting close to within the range of expectation. Finally, his volume is still in the top 14 at the position this season, so keep starting him. However, some of the ceiling we've seen lately, i.e. being running back one in week nine, is likely above his average for the rest of the season. In Tennessee, Alvin Kamara and Derrick Henry are still both top 12 running backs. I know they're not both in Tennessee, but I'm using Tennessee, the Tennessee space here to highlight that. And so is Christian McCaffrey, by the way. But we all remembered that when it came to ADP this offseason. Just thought I'd point out that the running back 8 in PPR points, the running back 12 in points per game, same guy, is in his 8th career year and is 29 years old and doesn't catch the ball much. We should probably remember to say that more in Dynasty because we forget to sometimes with running back position. Derrick Henry, still good, 29 years old. In Washington, Jahan Dotson is up to 120 yards per touchdown, and is due to regress, negatively, if you like. He's going to score fewer touchdowns than he's been scoring. Romeo Dubs, for example, and Jahan Dotson are both second-year players. Dotson finishes a wide receiver 12 and wide receiver 9 the last two weeks, but Dubs has 11.8 points per game, versus Dotson's 
9.8. I don't want to suggest that we as Dynasty players are prone to recency bias, but I'm pretty sure Dahan Dotson is going to be higher value than Romeo Dubs in Dynasty, and that's backwards. Anyway, that's about all I have for you this week. You can check out my data pinned to my Twitter timeline or my Patreon timeline anytime. It's updated for the full first nine weeks of the 2023 season. Thanks for checking out The Crossroads, and I will talk to you again after week 10. Bye. Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got their lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that I like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.